Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's the hanging today? Hey, it's going pretty well. I'm just getting really excited for another Pokemon tournament. I am too, man. It's the first Pokemon tournament that we'll be going to in the new season. The road to Yokohama starts now. And I've got some of that pre-tournament anxiety in it right now. I'm not going to lie, leading into the first tournament of the season. Yeah, well, I think that Kevin put it best on the call tonight where he said, I came up with a world's deck that was three cards off the winning list, and I went 0-3 drop in the event. 0-3-1 drop. 0-3-1? Okay, well, <laughs> in any case, you know, the, the point being that he did all the testing, he came up with an appropriate deck, and it just didn't work out for him. So that kind of, to me, it gives me a little bit of solace <laughs> in my deck choice because it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. You look at how many decks that there are just in general and you could just have one of those days where you hit the matchups you expect with a tournament as big as peoria you could have one of those days where you hit everything that you didn't want to hit but in any case we're getting really excited for peoria how are you riley though in life is is more the the bigger questions we should be asking in life yeah things are going well things are going well um hard at work with a pretty tough project right now but um had a couple of like really big things internally that I launched this week and they went very, mm -hmm. very well with our executives. So um, that's pretty exciting. And generally, I'm just really excited to get back in a, in a poke, you know, it's been cool. I also got to go to a friend's wedding last weekend, which was really cool. Um, so overall, I'm kind of riding the high right now. Nice, well, hopefully we can continue that high this weekend. I know, I did get some unfortunate uh, or at least come to an unfortunate realization today when the Latin America standings dropped. I knew I was going to be close, and I ended up being 20 CP short <laughs> of the stipend to Latin America. Um, so shout out to Chris for the cram coin flip, I guess. <laughs> Imagine if that cost me, like, the invite and the stipend. <laughs> <laughs> One coin flip that would have been pretty insane <laughs> but it just cost me the stipend so it's not a big deal i don't think i realistically would have gone to um laic anyway um, yeah i don't have that many days off left this year and yeah uh, it's just kind of at an inconvenient time for me but you know kind of a bummer didn't get it oh well, i mean close enough right like you know if you weren't gonna go anyway then i could at I least know, it's kind of cool to, to like rob it rob it from someone it's cool yeah. You're a savage. <laughs> Rabbit from the grinders. <laughs> You're a savage, bro. <laughs> the rich don't, don't get richer when I'm around. So true. <laughs> well, let's talk then about Peoria. And you did mention, you know, Kevin's comments. I think they're poignant. You know, in a tournament as big as Peoria, especially, you might not hit what you expect to see in the meta and you might not even yeah. hit like a perfect reflection of the tournament meta uh just the tournament's so big it's going to be varied and even then i think game to game in this format games are are viable or sorry volatile where yes there's a lot of you know just things that can go wrong or right. well it just feels like a very 
VIP pass heavy format where if you hit the VIP pass or, you know, enough Pokemon on your first turn, you're fine. And then if you don't, then you're really struggling throughout the course of the game. So that I think is the card that is in my mind, the format is centering around and it maybe did last format as well, but certainly this format, we're seeing a bit of a decline in the strength of Arceus um, and a bit of an uptake in these kind of more aggressive turbo decks that, that rely on battle VIP pass. And it's funny because back way before like UIC even, uh, Andrew and I were always like, yeah, this deck just needs four VIP pass and all of a sudden it'll be better. That's like, we kept trying to do that to every single deck and it wasn't really the time. Um, but the format has certainly evolved into a place where those early turns with VIP pass are making and breaking a lot of people's games anymore. Um, so the time is now. The time is now. If you're feeling like a VIP, <laughs> this is your time. Absolutely. So let's let's dive in. Uh, before we do, though, I think it would be um, remiss of us not to talk about some of the the social happenstances in the Pokemon community in the last couple of days. Um, so uh, a notable Pokemon player, Gabriel Smart. Uh, was accused and ultimately the story was corroborated of having a a relationship with a minor uh, you know completely inappropriate kind of grooming scenario Uh, gave us since kind of extradited himself from the community but has shown intent to return Um, there is on twitter some formats for sport tickets that you can put in to you know express that this is not something that we welcome in the pokemon trading card game we don't tell you this to to stir up drama but um, this is something notable in, so, in the social space in the Pokemon community. And at Tag Team, we try and stand up for our values, which is you know safety and a welcome community. And this just kind of spits in the face of that. It's really disappointing to see a notable player engage in that kind of behavior. Yeah. So not only was there accusations, uh, not only was there corroboration from the victim, but then you also see... Um, Gabe Smart kind of brushing off any allegations. Yeah, lack of lack of uh, lack of remorse, remorse, I think, and um, that that really for me kind of set it over the edge. So if you're looking for more to read on it, there's a great little twit longer by um, by uh, Kevin Kruger on Twitter. Uh, you should definitely go check that out. Uh, he wrote about the situation and in a very um, I don't know what, what, what would you say. I don't know if you read the his post, but a, a very measured way, and so check that out. Kruger K R U E G E R T C G um, for a little bit more of a you know bird's eye view of what went on and kind of the response. And uh, I think he did a really good job summarizing a lot of my thoughts, honestly, that I didn't even know that I had. Yeah, Kevin, seriously awesome uh, for putting that together. Um, so. Again, something we want to make you all aware of, you know, if you do find an opportunity to put a support ticket in, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, it's one way that we as a community can show uh, Pokemon as well as, you know, the victim and, and Gabe that this is something that we don't believe is acceptable and should not be a part of our community. Yeah, definitely. That all said, uh, with Gabe is no longer planning to go to Peoria, so there's at least some bright side there. And, you know, we wish nothing but the best to his victims. And we are going to Peoria. Got some new fun stuff ahead. Um, we don't want to focus entirely on the drama. We're not a drama channel. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's go ahead and dive in. 
JW, I thought we'd spend today talking about some of the off-meta picks in the front half, and then after the card of the day and our read, we would go into the top five decks for this metagame, rank choice, and get down to the nitty-gritty here. Absolutely. So why don't we start with some stuff that's maybe a little more fun, a little more niche picks that you don't expect to dominate the the tables at Peoria, but are solid options if you're into those off-meta strategies. JW, what's something that comes to mind for you? One deck that I was really testing, we were really testing, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, was Reggie's. Yes. I thought the Reggie deck was sauce, absolute sauce. I was a little bit worried in my early testing uh, about the Empoleon. But certainly there are ways around it. You can play your Path of the Peak. You can play your Canceling Cologne. Um, and I was just loving, I was loving the Reggie deck, how it flowed. It felt pretty strong. It felt like a really serious one prize deck. I think there are some issues with it in the current metagame. And the first one is an uptick in Lost City. And that is kind of maybe not necessarily for the Reggie deck, as it only makes up a minor meta share uh, on the whole that you see in these online tournaments. But um, certainly a good card into the Lost Zone box decks that tend to play, you know, they're, they're one of Radiant Charizard that would be a great card to Lost Zone. Um, or, or, you know, they're um, Cramorants, again, great cards to Lost Zone or Sableyes, you know, things like this. Um, so you see that card, the Lost City in like a Mew deck, for instance. Um, I've even seen it in, in Palkia or, um, you know, various Arceus decks. And so you're seeing some collateral damage there from the Reggie deck. The other card, of course, is the Empoleon. You can, again, get around it, but there is a pretty significant uptick in Empoleon play <laughs> recently. And that has me kind of feeling, feeling down in the dumps about Reggie. Yeah, honestly, Reggie... It's mostly just got that collateral damage, right? Because it feels yep. like it's in such a good place. And honestly, it is. If Reggie's allowed to fire on all cylinders, it wipes a lot of the metagame. Yeah. It truly does. Um, but you have the uptick in Empoleon, um, and you have the Lost Cities that the Mew and the Arceus decks are playing um, to either reduce your options or to you know lock you out of your core abilities uh, with that Empoleon. Now, of course, you can play around it with things like Canceling Cologne when it comes to the Empoleon or Path to the Peak, but you never really want to be sitting across from Napoleon. Yeah, it, it just hurts, right? Because you want to devote those slots to Better just cards. about any other card. <laughs> yeah. Like, more draw cards, you know, would be great. I always feel that I need more draw because you're just devoting a ton of your space to the energy and the Pokemon. And so, yeah, it just sucks to have to devote space to countering a card that you may not see very often or that every list might not play so anyway that was a deck that i was really enjoying the reggie deck not too much more to be said on that i think it'll make up you know a minor percentage of the entire metagame wouldn't be surprised to see a couple make day two would be surprised to see them win the tournament what are some other decks that you're on riley as, as kind of like up-and-comers or maybe not core meta decks yeah, another deck that springs to mind for me is Gudra. It was a deck that I really liked in my initial gameplay of Lost Origin prior to the comfy decks kind of um, centralizing around the Sableye Charizard variant. Uh, and Gudra's really cool because obviously you reduce the damage output, 
you turn multi-hit knockouts into really long, stretched out uh, slugfests, so to speak, especially when you combine it with the Fantina to almost wipe out a lot of decks damage output against you. It's a really cool deck. It has really good matchups as well against things like Regis, against things like Arceus that just don't put out the damage required to actually threaten a Gudra consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the deck is, is pretty solid. The one thing that's really keeping Gudra out of mind's eye for me is one, the Kurum matchup is fairly difficult um, because Kurum does have that uncapped damage output. You can easily exceed the damage required to knock out a Gudra if you need to. Um, and also the uptick of cards like Escape Rope and Echoing Horn uh, to push the Gudra out of the active and deactivate the effect of its attack. And then you can just boss it back up and do the <laughs> full amount of damage to it. And those two things are really what keeps Gudra out of the main core metagame to me. But I think it's still a pretty good option. I think it is fairly good into both Lost Box and any other like single prize decks and Arceus. Um, but you do have to deal with some of those things that you don't love to see as a, you know, I'm going to sit here and attack and tank kind of deck. Yeah, absolutely. There was, you know, for the longest time, Arceus Duraladon, and I think that that was the premier kind of Arceus tank deck, right? And now we're seeing Gudra. A couple of different ways to play Gudra, obviously, with the Arceus. Uh, that seems to be maybe your preferred way to play it. But you can I actually also play like it. it with the Colress, personally. Oh, really? The Lost Zone engine? Yeah, but either way is fine. Yeah, so in any case, uh, now we're, we're kind of seeing Gudra step up into that uh, place there that Duraladon once occupied. So I haven't gotten a ton of time in with the Gudra deck. I was really kind of just like playing my Reggie deck, playing, you know, <laughs> Palkia, playing Kurum, playing the other new stuff, um, and just kind of, you know, hey, hey, Riley, how's how's it going? How's the Gudra going? You know, should I should I put some time into it? Should I Should I take a look at it? Honestly, if the escape rope counts and decks didn't astronomically soar, <laughs> <laughs> Gudra would be pretty okay. <laughs> Solid take. How about some stall? We had been trying stall as well um, for a week and a half or so, the last week and a half. And I thought, you know, with the Mewtwo V Union and a lot of decks are not necessarily respecting multiple mill tank you know that that stall could have some legs ultimately i have you know kind of put pushed back against it it was having some rough uh rough time which i figured but had some rough time into mew and that was that was where i kind of let it let it fall off for me the stall into the turbo mew matchup was not particularly strong if they could conserve, um, you know, one or more DTE and then conserve their power tablets to just take the one shot on a Mewtwo. So did you test much with Stahl, Riley? I know you played, you know, probably a weekend with it. How did that go? I've actually played a lot of Stahl and um, Adler has also played a ton of Stahl and we've been kind of talking back and forth about it. I think it's really good, actually, I'm going to be honest. Um, I think you have to be really judicious about what those like 58th, 59th, 60th cards are in the stall deck. Mm -hmm. But if you manage to find that right cross section, then stall is really, really good right now. Uh, A lot of these decks that we'll talk about in the back half don't really deal with stall particularly well. Um, 
especially if you get a couple coin flips that go your way. So I think Stall is a pretty good archetype. It does have a couple of volatile matchups, though, in Mew and Kurum. Um, I think both of them are fairly winnable and, and pretty close, but Stall is one of those decks that you can't really afford to drop a game with in a best of three, uh, especially game one. So um, that's just that's really the downfall I see to Stall more than anything. Yeah, are there other matchups that you just wouldn't want to face with the Stall deck? I personally didn't find that the Mew matchup was great. I mean, you can... You can Discard energy with the Veltal. You can maybe get a Sydney, you know, if you get a little lucky. You could get, a, obviously, the Flannery. But they also have Silene and a Palpad to get back Silene, to get back more resources. And I found that that was always where my plan kind of fell apart. If they were able to Silene twice, they could get just enough resources to go through whatever I was trying to set up. So... Um, were there any other matchups that you were feeling like, ah, if this deck is big, then I'm going to have a tough time? Not really. I think I think Curum is a volatile matchup, but one you can get through with a fair amount of reliability, um, especially if they only play the three stadium outs to Path of the Peak, which most Curums are. Mm -hmm. um, it can be tough if they play like four outs, but three usually you can get through fine and, and path them and, and ultimately lock them down. The... The Mew matchup can be tough, especially those Turbo Mews with Silene. I think the Fusion Mew is actually ultimately easier because you can get more value out of discarding their energy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, though I think a lot of the other top decks you're pretty solid against. And Stall is really, really good against, you know, a lot of these random rogue decks. The ones that we're talking about right now, you know, like the Regis and the Gudras don't really deal with Stall at all. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we would... This feels weird to say, but Arceus, we mentioned last week, is on the downturn. It's not something that we've seen a lot of in the last mm. few weeks. And so we're going to call it Arceus in general as kind of one of these off-meta picks. GW, what's the deal with Arceus these days? Yeah, I think you're seeing some people still trying to hold on to Arceus Pikachu. Which is okay, but it just it's interesting, right? Because a lot of the meta share that was occupied by last format's best deck in format, Palkia, has shifted around. Palkia players are, um, you know, trying new decks or maybe incorporating Kiram into their list. And you you just look at the meta shares in a lot of these online tournaments, and Palkia is no longer far and away the most played deck. It's like three, four, five, six sometimes you know in these tournaments um that part of that is probably due to people wanting to try out the shiny new toys but um i think it is it will be kind of an indicator heading into peoria that it's not going to be all that in a bag of chips you look at what there could be pairing with uh with arceus i mean obviously pikachu is still an option but i think one of the things that i've seen um, recently is giratina people have been playing arceus with giratina giratina has that kind of awkward, kind of large um, attack cost with the three different types of energy. And so it slots pretty well with an Arceus uh, being able to search out your deck for whatever energies you happen to need. Um, still seeing it with some Pikachu, seeing it with the Gudra, of course. Um, and then there have been some just, we always seem to see this deck a little bit, um, but just like the straight 
Arceus decks where you play, you know, four path and like some alternate attackers. Uh, Grant Manley was playing something like I'm describing with a uh, with a slacking V and uh, a bunch of damage reducers like the Radiant Greninja, for instance. Gardevoir. Um, or excuse me, Radiant Gardevoir to uh, to tank hits, kind of in a in a uh, you know, another tank strategy style. So you know there are a few different options. I and there's always Arceus Intel, but <laughs> I don't know why you would play that deck. Honestly, it feels a little slow, a little outclassed by um, a lot of the heavy hitters in the format right now. Kurum can go through it. Uh, Giratina can just one shot it, no matter <laughs> the damage reducers on it. So that deck kind of feels feels pretty stinky, but overall, yeah, those are the options right now that I'm seeing with Arceus decks. Yeah, I think the appeal of Arceus Intel is you can go for some wacky healing strategies against like Lost Box or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't. Really, I'm not super vibing with Arceus Intelion personally, but I don't think Arceus is ever something you can write off. It obviously did win every single North American tournament up until Baltimore, and it did win the World Championship as well. So, uh, certainly not a card you could completely write off in any metagame. It's so powerful in of itself that who knows where it'll lead. If you were to slam Arceus at this tournament, who would you pair it with? It's a great question. Um, I Whatever it is, I mean, I like, you're really just playing an Arceus path deck. So just, if you're going to play Arceus, I think you just try to slam four path and four Marnie into it, whatever version you're playing. So I think that kind of tells you that I'm not a big fan of the Arceus Intellion build. <laughs> But I would play it probably with Giratina, probably with a thin flying Pikachu line, uh, just to give yourself a little bit of versatility in um, you know the weaknesses that you're trying to hit. But yeah, yeah, that, that that would be what I would play. But I'm not really that high on Arceus right now. I definitely think that Marnie is really really good right now. Personally, I think the the comfy decks don't really like to get Marnie very much. Yes, that's true. That's true. That's one thing that we've been discussing in just our preparation for this tournament is when you're playing Lost Box, you want to have a huge hand because you want to be able to make your plays and pull off these combo pieces. Um, and so if you're repeatedly getting Marnied in that early and mid game, it can be tough to build up the hands that you want to see, right? You're trying to chain the... Uh, different switch cards to get your comfies. You're trying to chain the Colrus to, you know, get as many cards in the Lost Zone as you can as quickly as possible. So when you're able to disrupt that, things can go south. Absolutely. Any other off picks that you want to call out heading into Peoria? Um, I saw Blissey do well at an online <laughs> tournament. You mentioned Blissey to JW, he loses his mind. Dude, I love a good Blissey. I love a good <laughs> blissful blast. <laughs> Blissey's pretty cool. Uh, do you think Blissey has any legs in the metagame right now? Um, it was it was like close to being my pick for Worlds, and I don't think that it's terrible now. Again, you look at Path as being an underrepresented card, so if you're playing against a deck, that's not particularly well... Uh, suited to play against path that could be a uh, you know an, an opportunity for you to gain some some steam i think about the mu decks which are not 
playing four counter stadiums. A lot of them are playing three counter stadiums or, or even two counter stadiums and um, that little that little vacuum boy. Um, so, you know, certainly if you expect a lot of Mew, maybe a, a Ballistic deck would be, you know, pretty strong into that, considering that you could path from turn one and, and make it really difficult on them. But um, no, not something I'm considering either. Um, just a lack of testing. I mean, a lot of, honestly, there's just so many decks right now. And I think yeah. a lot of listeners are overwhelmed. And I am too, in, in many ways, right? I have to make kind of an educated guess based on what I've seen played in online tournaments and just what I know to be true from my own testing. But I haven't tested like extensively every single deck in the format. I've touched them all. But I haven't extensively <laughs> tested them. So it's like, you know, Blissey, where does that fall? I don't know. I've played maybe like 10 games with it in this format. So, you know, not something that I've... You've played a whole 10 games? Yeah. Dang, bro. I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, not something that I was really that impressed with to say like, oh, yeah, I should I should continue on this path. I don't think you played 10 games with Blissey. Oh, I'm yeah? You want to see the receipts? You want to see the receipts? I'm calling Okay, it was uh, nine and a half. The last one I had to concede because I had to, because mom called me for dinner. <laughs> I'm calling your bluff all the same. <laughs> I don't think you played ten. I think you played max five. <laughs> Freaking liar. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary. And yeah, with the addition of the comfy engine, it feels like so many different. You know, decision trees have come out in terms of how you build your deck. You have a lot of the, you have a lot of these like straight decks. You know, like Blissey or Arceus, where you just play the attacker and a, and a friend. You have mm -hmm. a lot of these Inteleon decks still exist with Palkia as a great example, but Arceus is another one. You still have all these comfy variants now. You have the Barrel decks. Like, oh my goodness, there's just so many different cores, and then so many different random V and V Star and and single prize Pokemon to pair with them all. It's kind of overwhelming. Pretty cool, though. Pretty fun. It is pretty cool. People love a varied metagame. Yeah, I think we're in agreement that this might be a little too varied. But, you know, it le there leaves room for players to innovate. And that's fun. I yeah, guess. I think, I think there's fun right as well. The I think there's fun there for sure. I do think in general, and this is not Pokemon specific, but I think in general, trading card game players tend to overvalue the variety of a metagame over the mm. quality of it in of mm -hmm. itself, irrespective of what's going on of in Last Origins. I think that's yes. something. Yes, I, I, I think that's a good that's a good point, right? Where it's like the variety of decks does not in and of itself indicate a healthy metagame. It can. It can, but it doesn't in and of itself uh, say yes this is you know a quality format right exactly so, anyway all right well let's jump then into our card of the day jw why don't you take it away absolutely in 2013 <laughs> i want to say 2013 that sounds about right you really squeeze uh, that one out of your brain well i yes <laughs> a I, ring that brain cell out <laughs> well I, I didn't do the i didn't do the research on the year that this set came out and yeah. then i was like oh this would be a really nice start to this segment where i give the year you know <laughs> to really set the scene and then i hesitated because i was second guessing myself on if it was 2013 or 2014 but anyway i was in college maybe i should start off like that. i was in college and back in Dang, college 
Dude, I was, <laughs> let me tell you, man. I was back in college. That was like seven years ago I was back in college. <laughs> um, so I was in college. 2013 and, was like nine years ago. <laughs> well, what if I said 2014? That would be eight. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. I was back in college. The years just get get away from you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, geriatric looking ass. Um, so true, so true. I was back in college. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, would gather my, my friends. I, I'd summon my friends. And we would all go to somebody's dorm room. Uh-huh. And instead of each buying individual booster boxes, I may have already told the story, but instead of buying individual booster boxes, we would all buy a case. <laughs> Right. And um, we'd all buy a case and then we would draft it. So we'd go around, open up a pack, pick the card that we wanted, pass the pack to the next person. And so in this way, we could kind of get the cards that we, you know, wanted more than others. Like if somebody was looking to make a, I don't know, they really wanted the Articuno, then do we just get, you know, they get the Articuno. And if somebody wanted the, I don't know, the Blissey, then they get the Blissey, whatever. <laughs> like you could just pick, you know, kind of your archetypes yeah, yeah. if you're like really high on one. And and we liked that a lot because it, it also extended down into the rares or into the trainers where it's like, okay, I'm never going to touch this archetype. You can have all of that rare, all that trainer, whatever it is. So the one card that I was so high on that I thought, oh my gosh. I got to snatch up as many of these as I can because it's got a draw ability. It's got an insane attack like that could one shot anything like this card is going to be so good. It's a one prizer like, dude, I'm going to destroy with this card. (laughs) I picked um, probably I want to say like 10 or or 12. Like I picked all of this all of this card that came to me and it was from Flash Fire. Is a grass type Pokemon with a draw ability. Once during your turn, you may discard a grass energy card from your hand. If you do draw three cards, I was like, oh, oh <laughs> my gosh. Bro. That's you insane. thought this card was good. <laughs> do you know the attack, though? It's the. You're thinking of the shift tree, right? Yeah, the shift tree. <laughs> it's like for all bench Pokemon in players. Like, yeah, 20 times the number of bench Pokemon. That's so insane. You could do 200 damage, bro. <laughs> if your opponent filled their bench. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's the same idea as, as Palkia right now, right? It's like Palkia if it was a stage two. Yeah, and, and had, a, had worse attack cost. And it was a three energy cost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With no way to excel to it. <laughs> but it's got a draw ability, bro. It's insane. So anyway, I picked all of the shiftry. And I still to this day have every single shiftry. You got to. You got to keep them close. Yeah, you, you definitely do. So <laughs> that's, that, that's my card of the day. Shiftry from Flashfire. You let me down thought you'd be a little bit better then you ended up being and i'm sad i wasted my time on you but one thing that i am not sad about wasting my time on and one thing that i think is worth every single penny is every single product that i've ever tried over at manscaped that's right manscaped is the premier men's grooming product brand they have all sorts of stuff and hey with regionals coming back up 
Now is the perfect time to make sure you're investing in your physical well-being because nobody wants to be the one that shows up to the regional and is a little bit stanky, a little bit unkempt. So Manscaped's got you covered. Whether you want to trim your down there hairs with the Lawnmower 4.0 or get to those nasty ear and nose hairs with the Weed Whacker, or just want to feel comfortable in your skin with the Boxers 2.0, Manscaped's got you covered. And the great news is we over here at Tag Team have got you a little friendly discount code. JW, why don't you tell our friends about how they can save some money today? Absolutely. Go on over to manscaped.com. Type in the code tag team at checkout. Put a couple things in your cart, of course. And then you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. I hate to pay for shipping. Get that free shipping. Get that 20% off discount. You won't regret it. Honestly, we've loved the products ever since we got shipped our first package. And I think you'll enjoy them too. So go on over to manscaped.com. Code tag team, 20% off plus free shipping. 20% off plus free shipping with code tag team at manscaped.com. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. Before we get into the, the second meta second half with the top meta decks, I do want to say the Shiftry was a beast in the basic green theme deck that came with Pokemon TCGO when I started in like 2016, 2017. Oh. Uh, I used that to like farm theme deck tournaments to get uh, coins or packs or whatever so I could trade. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that it was in a theme deck. Well, it wasn't in a theme deck. It was in basic green, which was a starter deck specific to TCGO. That's cool. I also didn't know that. I had never, I don't think I'd ever touched one of those. Is there basic, there's like basic red and stuff? There's basic blue, basic red, basic green, and basic yellow. I understand. Um, And I think the, the deck, the basic decks changed over the years. So if like you started in X and Y, you got those versions. But if you started in black and white, there were different basic decks. Um, but yeah, the basic green deck was really good. You played it in the TCGO tournaments. And this was like back before theme decks actually started to be reasonably decent. Right? Sure. So like the sure. Shiftry just dominated on those kinds of decks, you know? Yep. Yep, Ones were like the Noivern from <laughs> Breakpoint was the best card in the deck. <laughs> yeah, Shiftry will, will win that for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but definitely. enough about Shiftry. Let's talk about some top metagame threats in Lost Origins. Uh, and let's start from number five in our top five here, which is, of course, going to be Giratina Comfy. Now, Comfy has been the new star of the scene in the post-Lost Origins metagame. People are really excited for these Lost Box decks. And Giratina is kind of the the next evolution of the first stage of single prize Lost Box. Uh, And the really cool thing about Giratina is whether you evolve into it or Thornton and then evolve, you have access to that awesome V-Star power which will automatically knock out your opponent's active Pokemon. And most decks really can't respond immediately to a Giratina V-Star, which will then mm-hmm. let you swing for another 200 damage, 280 damage the next turn. So just a really threatening V-Star Pokemon. And of course, synergizes super well with the Mirage Gate. You can lean into Radiant Greninja to also spread damage on the board in addition to your Cramorants and Sableyes. Really cool deck. 
Yeah. J- JW, what do you think of the Giratina deck? Yeah, really an interesting deck. I mean, and the nice thing about the Giratina deck is that it's not necessarily the focal point, although it does give you a lot of the beef and the hitting power that these Lost Zone decks generally lack, at least in the early game, right? When we see the classic Lost Zone box deck, it's got the Cramorant and the Sableye, but that maxes out, you know, Sableye at 12 damage counters. Cramorant does 110 damage. So those aren't particularly threatening Pokemon in terms of attackers. And then in the late game where, you know, you're getting to the last two prizes, you got the Radiant Charizard that you can hopefully utilize a couple of times, do 250 damage twice. But until then, you know, you're just kind of like dinking and dunking, trying to <laughs> cross the finish line until you can get to those last two two prizes. Take those big knockouts with the Charizard. The Giratina is cool because you can still dink and dunk with the Cramorant and Sableye, but you got that heavy hitting power of the Giratina to just take a one shot out of nowhere with the V-Star ability. That's pretty cool. And then also just hit for 280 plus uh, with its attack. So really kind of a nice wrinkle for i think the lost box decks uh, especially if you're expecting a lot more v based um decks that potentially could include healing that's one of the that's one of the texts that you can play in any deck to give yourself a leg up on the lost box single prize deck is to play some sort of healing we're seeing like switch carts in um you know, in Mew, we're seeing Cheryl in a few different decks, and the idea there is that they can't take enough prizes with their Sableyes and Cramorants before, you know, you get up the, the Charizard or whatever, before you can heal enough damage to make those not threats, right? So uh, the Giratina kind of circumvents that. That's a tech against the tech. <laughs> if decks were teching healing cards to deal with Cramorant and Sableye, the Lost Box deck techs Giratina to bypass the healing cards of other decks. So that's just kind of an interesting thing. Um, I think as we start to see more and more healing go into decks, I think Giratina might be, you know, more more popular. It's certainly doing pretty well online right now. Yeah, honestly, like I could see Giratina having a a wide fluctuation in its placement in a list like this. Like if it hits the right metagame, Giratina is a beast of a deck. But if there's a lot more like single prize focus, then Giratina is probably not the top choice in that given metagame. So Giratina is number five in today's countdown. Uh, but don't be surprised if you see Giratina do exceptionally well heading into Peoria. Absolutely. Give us number four, Riley. Yeah, number four is Curum VMAX with Palkia. Curum is an awesome Pokemon that leverages the insane like ridiculous amount of water support that we've gotten over the last few sets in addition to things like capacious bucket and radiant greninja you also just have the palkia v star which synergizes perfectly with the curum curum honestly fills a very similar role as the ice rider calyrex v max calyrex was a little bit more efficient at doing exactly 280 damage only requiring two energy to do so with a choice belt but Kyurem has the trade-off where it has that uncapped damage output. Kyurem doing 120 plus 50 more for each energy you discard off of Kyurem. And between its ability and Palkia and Melanie and your attachment from hand that turn, you can really ramp that up to pretty impressive numbers very quickly. 
and most decks cannot deal with 330 HP VMAX very well. And honestly, that last little bit of HP does make a difference as opposed to the 320 of the Calyrex. So Curum, you know, leverages its tankiness plus its high damage output to ultimately steamroll other big multi-prize attacking decks. And of course, you do have Greninja and Palkia as side attacking options. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you're thinking about why would I play Kiram in, you know, over, I don't know, other decks, like what, what would you say is kind of the best argument for Kiram or maybe an argument to include Kiram if you're thinking already about playing a, a Palkia-based deck? Yeah, I think Kiram has a lot of inbuilt consistency when it's up and running, right? Between the Kiram's ability mm -hmm. and Palkia's ability and Radiant Greninja, you can really just churn through your deck very quickly. Uh, the downsides that I see of Kiram is it's very reliant on Melanie, which can make it hard to gust on key turns if you are against certain matchups where you might want to gust as opposed to knock out the active. And Kiram also... It's a little bit vulnerable to particularly like Roxanne Path, uh, but even like repeated Marnie Paths can be very difficult for Kurum to deal with. You yeah. do obviously play a Lost Blender, or sorry, Lost Vacuum. I keep saying Lost Blender in my head when I think about the card. <laughs> it's Lost Vacuum. Lost Blender is a, a really old card from <laughs> Lost Blender. Um, Lost Vacuum, so you can search off the Arita to remove stadiums yeah. and two training courts, which is a decent amount of outs, but uh, you definitely are vulnerable to Roxanne Path because you you need your ability to accelerate, uh, and you don't need like you need a lot of cards in hand to make things work typically off right. off a of Kiram. So yeah, and I, I want to say one other thing is when I've been playing Kiram, I found more so than you know more so than Mew, more so than Palkia, more so than Giratina. Really, any of the other top decks that we're talking about, it's very reliant, for, in my opinion, on getting the Pokemon out on turn one uh, with yeah. like a battle VIP pass um, predominantly. Because uh, if you're not getting, you know, a Chiram and a Palkia out, Kira. like, cure them. Thank you. <laughs> if you're not getting Kiram <laughs> and a Palkia out on that turn one, it can be really hard to put on the pressure that you want to do. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, if you do get a VIP pass or a couple of VIP passes, you just get out of the gates and you're just one-shotting anything that comes in your path with really no resistance. So it feels kind of like that glass cannon to me of the decks that we're talking about, even more so than Mew in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I would agree just because, Just because if you have that weak start, you only have one or two Pokemon down, it just kind of folds in on itself. I do think even maybe more than the Palkia getting down, like having a Curum down early right. is so ridiculously important because the power level differential between the crappy Curum V... And the amazingly powerful Curum VMAX is just so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah. Curum V is completely useless on its own. But at least when it's a VMAX, it can like accelerate to itself and. Yeah, and hit uncapped damage numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cracked. And, sure. and it's got just the absurd HP count. Yeah. You know, you really need to evolve your Curums on the second third of the game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if they can get targeted down, that could be tough. So, um, Kiram, are you considering Kiram um, for for uh, Peoria, or what would you say to people that are considering Kiram? Personally, I'm I'm not really considering Kiram. That's not because of any disdain for the deck. I think it's a pretty solid deck right now. Um, they're just other things I've put more time into, and I don't really want to invest into Kiram this late in the metagame when I think other decks 
can fill that niche and power level sufficiently well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right now we're just looking at like, what's the, what's the efficiency of, you know, of the damage that you're outputting, you know, for the most part, I think we're both on attacking decks at this point. It's just like how best to take your prizes. You know, there's a lot of decks that can do the damage necessary. There are a lot of decks that can take those prizes, but how to do it the most efficiently. So speaking of efficient prize taking, <laughs> that moves us into number three, Mew VMAX. Now I will say this caveat here, um, from the way that we've been thinking about this metagame, the top three decks that we're going to outline very briefly um, could all be kind of switched around in order. So it's not necessarily that, you know, Mew is, is you know, necessarily any worse in our minds than the other two decks above it, but this is just where we put it on the list. So number three, Mew VMAX. I think we're both in agreement that we really like the turbo build. Yeah. And so no Meloetta, don't want to mess with that. I want to devote all those extra slots to a little more consistency. A few tech cards, you know, adding in the supporters. Those are kind of cool. That's something that we haven't seen. Roxanne Path, that's a really cool combo that Mew has never played before. Now has access to with the extra room. So talk me through Mew right now and in the list that you've been trying out. Yeah, I mean, Mew laser focused on the double turbo build for me. I think a lot of people have started to get more receptive to the fusion energy build in the post-Lost Origins metagame just as a way to deal with the Drapion, uh, attacking into it with that Meloetta. I don't think that's necessarily required, though. I think you can deal with Drapion with a combination of like Lost Cities and Path to the Peaks, things like that. Um, and Mew is just that deck, right? Mew has always been the deck that just gets out of the gates running. It's very consistent. It targets down whatever it wants to target every given turn, and it wipes your opponent's board. And really, that's the story of Mew. It has been the story of Mew. I think in the post-Turbo Energy build, though, you're seeing just an increased focus on exactly what you want to achieve every single game. And the one thing I really like about the Double Turbo build, sorry to cut you off before you got your thought out <laughs> the one thing but one thing i really like and this harkens back to way back in 2018 when i when i won dallas with czar is i love it when a deck can replicate the effect of playing multiple supporters in a turn and i think yes. Mew does that the best of any deck right now Agreed. with the combination of like cross switchers and avery or cross switcher and marnie you can even get like really creative and cross you can avery and then echoing horn and then cross switcher so if your opponent's trying to like seal out their bench you can clear it back up again there's just so much stuff that you can do with this Mew deck it's really crazy there's a lot of awesome plays but it also has the benefit of being relatively straightforward in its actual game by game execution um, so I think Mew's a really solid deck right now. There is a lot more Drapion than there were in the early stages of this metagame because I feel yes. like other people are hip to that, which is a bummer, though, for any Mew player. Well, but it's interesting, though, right? Because we haven't seen Mew kind of take that dominant meta share. It's been in the top five of most tournaments, but it hasn't been, um, you know, nearly as, as dominant, you know, taking in, uh, I remember last format where it'd be like, or a couple formats ago where it'd be like number two in, yeah. in most uh, online tournaments. So, you know, it, it hasn't taken up that dominant meta share. And I think largely that's due to the Drapion, like you said. Now, there are a couple of ways to get around it, but 
if if people go to Drapion for Peoria, if they just play two raw Drapion, they're like, I'm not going to lose to Mew. I mean, that is extremely good. There's really not um, much that Mew can do, but Muse does have a trick up its sleeve in the Roxanne path. I think that is a very important combo for Mew, and they need to pull it off against the, uh, you know, double Drapion lists uh, that some people are sure to bring. Uh, to be able to, you know, shut off that ability, make it so that they don't lose on subsequent turns to Drapions. Yeah, absolutely. Mew players always getting more and more creative with every metagame, it feels like, for how they'll wiggle out of their current trap. <laughs> um, and they're, they're resilient as ever, right? Mew keeps showing up at every tournament despite more and more hateful decks against it. Isn't it so funny, though? Like, who would have ever thought Path and Mew? Not me. <laughs> it's so antithetical, but got to do it. Got to do it. So Mew, number three. Um, I know we've both been considering Mew. Um, that's not a ringing endorsement because there are <laughs> certainly, you know, there, there's one major issue <laughs> <laughs> with the deck. And, um, you know, certainly there are a lot of path decks uh, still kind of floating around. So uh, Palkia is also a concerning matchup, to say the least. But uh, Mew VMAX one of the top three right now. Uh, number two, let's talk about single prize Lost Zone Box. Riley, talk to me about that deck and your experiences with it. It's been doing extremely well online. Yeah, single prize Lost Zone Box has been that deck when it comes to these online limitless tournaments. It has been showing up in droves. It's been winning them or getting high, high placements repeatedly. Let's talk about it. So the concept of the deck is that you ramp up very quickly with your comfies with a frankly absurd amount of switch cards you know you have multiple switch cards you have escape ropes you have scoop up nets you have air balloons you're really trying to use as many comfy as possible as quickly as possible so that way as soon as like turn two you can start using your sableye you use your sableye to spread damage all over the board in things that play sobbles you can just revive the sobbles with echoing horns and keep knocking them out in things that play comfies you can still knock those out with zigzagoon and against everything else, you strategically put your damage down and then clean up with the Radiant Charizard at the end of the game. Strategy super reliable. There's a lot of ways you can play it as well when it comes down to the nitty gritty of those last couple cards. And it's absurdly popular. People really love a good one prize deck, especially in the early stages of a metagame is something I've noticed. And Lost Zone Box really scratches that itch. It has a new engine. It has some really cool attacks behind it. It's a one prize deck in of itself. You know, it's got the full recipe for a deck that people will spam in the early days of a metagame. That said, though, it's, it's certainly powerful in of itself, and it's proven itself repeatedly in online tournaments, even in the field, growing field of Empoleon. Yeah, absolutely. There is a significant response to the Lost box deck being so popular and that is the empoleon and then lost box you know we're seeing responses to the response you know counters to the counter right like we're in that kind of metagame where there are um there are counters to these counters and that that feels pretty good to me right we talked about the mew having a counter to drapion its biggest weakness um mill tank really or um uh, empoleon really shutting down the comfies but you have cards like 
the canceling cologne, right, which we're seeing pop up in more and more of these one prize lost zone box decks. So uh, canceling cologne shut off the um, effect of the Empoleon there for a turn in the active spot, and then you can go ahead and feel free to switch around to a bunch of different comfies, get what you need in the lost zone, and then at that point, if you can get to the four cards in the lost zone, can go through Empoleons relatively quickly with your Cramorant. So that's kind of the idea. I mean, obviously, you'll have to play more Cants and Clones to uh, utilize the Cramorants, but. Uh, and we are you, seeing you like three to four Colognes sometimes right. in these decks, too, to deal with the Empoleon. My question to you, JW, is obviously this deck is good. How much of its representation, though, do you think is new toy syndrome versus where it will eventually end up in the metagame? I do think it's quite strong. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it have the largest meta share at Peoria. I, I really do think I don't, that... I don't uh, disagree with that, necessarily. Do you think it will see sustained success and will remain the top deck throughout this metagame, though? I mean, I think so. I mean, you look at some of the counters to it, and they're not particularly strong. Um, you have things like Empoleon, but that's only really in the early game, and you know, presumably you're not just playing a quad Empoleon deck, so there's always a chance that you just can't get it out. You don't know me. <laughs> you know, well, that's true, that's true. But there's a, there's a strong chance you can't reasonably get it out on the turn that you needed, and uh, you know, and then things, and much less attack with it, right? I mean, certainly there are only a handful of decks that can really uh, utilize that. And, and kind of wasting a V-Star on powering up an Empoleon, I don't know, it just feels bad, man. In any case, I do think that it has the staying power. Because you think about it already being able to fend off these threats that are very significant. And you're seeing a lot of people tech for this deck, and it's still coming out with dubs. I mean, you're seeing three switch card in Mew. Like, that is just ridiculous. You know, things like that. And it's still dominating. It's still doing extremely well. So I think it's here to stay. It's so far survived the early stages of the online metagame. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a deck to be feared for a long time to come. Well said. So let's round out then with the deck to fear, uh, the number one deck that we've labeled into this metagame. Palkia Inteleon, mainstay from last two formats. JW, what's the deal with Palkia? Yeah, I think when you look at Palkia, you lose its biggest <laughs> counter from last format, and that was the Flying Pikachu. Uh, Arceus Flying Pikachu was a thorn in Palkia's side for a number of reasons. Obviously, you have the Flying Pikachu. is just really hard to get around, uh, but also just... Arceus decks in general, playing a lot of path, keeping their bench size very low. We're losing that presence for the most part in the metagame. I mean, right now you look at online tournaments, meta share for Arceus decks is way down. Um, and so that's a great thing for Palkia decks. Um, you're not having to deal with lightning much. Um, and so it kind of feels like the Palkia deck is you know, it, it has room to breathe, you know, it can finally spread its its wings. Um, and so, you know, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a really solid deck right now. It has some of the best matchup spread of any deck that I've seen right now. Yeah, when you look at the statistics of Palkia on Limitless, it is consistently one of the most winning decks in every tournament. And it has, you know, Trainer Hill has also posted their stats of matchup spreads amongst the top decks. And Palkia 
has green like across the board. It's actually pretty crazy how well Palkia is doing right now, um, just by the virtue of losing some of its worst matchups in Arceus kind of fading away into the background. So I think Palkia is potentially the best deck to take into Peoria right now. It just feels like it didn't really lose anything and it gained potentially new good things in the metagame with Arceus yeah. departing in, as a mainstay. And like some of these Lost Zone boxes, if you're able to like custom catcher or sorry, to cross switcher up a mana fee and canceling Colonnit and spread onto their comfies, it's really unfortunate for these decks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. I mean, that's certainly one thing that the, uh, the Lost Box deck hates is to have multiple you know pokemon knocked out at once so um you know certainly that is achievable there are counters to the mana fee with your own canceling clone and the radiant greninja so yeah that's a really good point is that there are strategies that you can employ now um, to get around some of the stuff that other people are trying to do and then of course palkia has you know at least even matchups against v max decks with the combination of giratina or with greninja spread and Palkia's insane damage output. So, yeah, I mean, Palkia is just that beast. You know, whenever I look at the online tournaments, I'm just asking, like, why isn't there more Palkia with how good it's doing in, in terms well, of. Well, that's the a question, right? It's like, why would you not play Palkia? Like, what? I, and we're not necessarily thinking about, you know, we're not necessarily on Palkia for this tournament. I, it's certainly a deck that I am always going to consider because I've put a ton of time into it in prior formats, and more or less, it stays the same, right? The 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 more or less the build is is the same. So, um, why would somebody not play Palkia? I I think if you're looking for a solid deck to take into the metagame, Palkia, there's not a lot going against it right now, to be honest. I think really the reason that we're seeing such a massive shift away from Palkia is that people want to try out these new decks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, Lasso Vox is that fire right now, and people want to play it. Curum uh, uses Palkia as kind of something new and interesting that you can play with, and people will want to do that. Um, I think a potential argument as well in favor of things like Lasso Boxes, maybe Palkia has like a slightly favored matchup against some of these decks. But Lost Zone Box maybe has a more polarized matchup against some of them, right? Uh, so whereas Palkia might be like 55-45, maybe Lost Zone Box takes a 60-40 or a 70-30. Uh, but it takes like the inverse of that against some other less popular deck. Um, that's where I think like the argument starts to get into more of the nitty gritty is, you know, how polarized you want your matchups to be. So I think Palkia has a lot of even to slightly favored matchups where some of these other decks will take harder wins and losses. Solid. Solid. Yeah, it's the deck that uh, the Swiss Army Knife deck, you know, you're going to take 50-50s or, or slightly favored um, into a lot of these matchups. But that can spell disaster at tournaments, right? If you happen to just <laughs> lose those 50-50s, yeah. right? That That's really tough, right? You have a shot in every game that you play. But if you lose those games that... You know, you, you know, obviously we're trying to get to that 6-2-1 uh, record. So if you lose some of those 50-50s that could go either way, that's going to be really hard to, to come back from. So I think a really solid overview of the metagame heading into this tournament. I'm excited to see, you know, one thing that we haven't really talked about is like any new spice. You know, we've talked about kind of like, okay, Gudra, right? That as a deck is pretty 
easy to figure out, pretty straightforward by and large to figure out. Um, you know, Reggie's are not really anything new. All these kind of fringe decks, not really anything crazy. What we haven't been able to discover, at least in, in my testing and, and probably in your testing, any new like wrinkles that are not already either obvious archetypes or just, um, you know, uh, pepper, salt and pepper on, on an existing archetype. So I'll be excited to see what people come up with in terms of the rogue strategies. I think that's a big, big um, X factor in yeah. this tournament is what rogue strategies people come up with, what unusual out of the box archetypes people will discover and play. I think that is something that I wasn't able to find. I don't really have any good you know, inklings um, <laughs> on what could be out there. Haven't heard any rumblings. I'll be interested to see what people come up with and what does well. Me as well. I always think the first tournament into a given metagame is really interesting for seeing people's creative chops. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Well, I think we've done a great set of, of coverage into the what to expect for Peoria. Any final words of sage wisdom for our listeners, JW? I think we're just, you know, if you're going to this tournament, it's the largest projected to be the largest tournament uh, regional tournament that we've ever had. So I just don't take it too hard on yourself. You know, people, there's going to be so many people that do worse than they wanted to. So, you know, if it doesn't pan out the way that you envisioned in your head, just know that there's a, you know, going to be a couple hundred other people uh, <laughs> right in your same boat. So give it your best shot. Have some fun. We're back playing poke and, um, just enjoy yourself. Yeah, the spirit of the game flows freely through tag team over here. I'm really excited to get out there. Be sure to say hi as well if you're a listener and uh, you know see us walking around in the halls. We'd be happy to, to chat with you all. And I do also want to say if, if you're in the path right now and you're listening of uh, Hurricane Ian, please do stay safe out there. Uh, take care of yourselves and if that means that you can't travel to peoria that's that's totally fine uh they have offered to ship your merch out to you if, if that's you yeah that's a really nice thing speaking of merch we do still have t-shirts so please go on to flexdaddy.card slash shop that's my website where i am selling the official tag team merchandise if you want to take a look at you know you want to get a feel for how it might look you've been on the fence and you're going to peoria you know i'll be there i'll be wearing my shirt riley's gonna be there riley you gonna wear your shirt i think so <laughs> okay great oh yeah i have to bring it to you i yeah, guess so i guess it's up to you <laughs> <laughs> so in any case uh we'll be wearing the shirts there and you know you can check them out i think we're gonna look really fly uh, you know, all the squad, everyone that already ordered a shirt that's going to Peoria are going to be wearing them. So check it out there, flexdaddy.card slash shop for your own official tag team merch. You can find us over on Twitter at tag team Pokemon. Find me at real John Walter and Riley over at smiles with Riles. We also do record the podcast live every single week at twitch.tv slash munner. So if you're looking to be a part of the experience, feel free to swing by. Uh, and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platforms, be sure to leave a rate and review. Last plug, make sure to also check out JW's content. He streams over at Flex Daddy Righteous on twitch.tv and also posts to YouTube on his Flex Daddy Righteous YouTube channel. 
really awesome stuff by JW, who consistently puts out really great, fun content. Uh, it's a real joy to watch. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we'll end on a wholesome note. And if you're going to Peoria, we're so excited to see you there. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya.